0: Welcome back to the Shock Absorber podcast, and it is as always exceptional to have you along with us. And I have two young, exceptional people along here with me. We said, uh, Tim, you said, I'll throw you under the bus, <laughs> that we traded in for a for a earlier a, a newer <laughs> version <laughs> a new of your model. Year. Yeah, brought Hello. in brought in his son, Ethan. How are you? I am well. Hello, guys. Thank it's you for being be here. Us. Uh, tell us about this uh, red red shirt you've got on. I always credit I usually criticize. What other people are wearing <laughs> on this podcast oh, you play well, a great, way, a great yeah. way to build one another up yeah um, that's right uh, but it's quite striking it's very red isn't it It's very red it's very red it's
1: disneyland right it's disneyland i got this we got this on holidays I uh, they come in a whole variety of colors it's their thing they just have this one style that they then just like copy and paste mm-hmm. over a whole bunch of different colors mm-hmm. and styles and things yep. and actually and i like this one and it was cool
0: yeah right yeah yeah
1: that was that's my story
0: is there it's a reason you chose red just um, like that like it, that it was it just looked drawn cool. to it. yeah i was drawn to it yeah. it looked cool i liked it do you own any disney stuff tim
2: uh not that i know of mm. no yep
0: me either <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> as an adult <laughs> i see how it is yeah I don't, yeah i don't think i do any disney stuff i'm just thinking yeah no, i don't think i do yeah i have a hat as well i have a i have white white of this hats. and i have a white
1: disney hat and that one is signed by mickey Mouse. Uh, nice wow well, the original mickey mouse the, o- the og <laughs> yeah which is pretty epic yeah pretty pretty huge moment in my childhood yeah. when i say childhood i mean i was like 16. It's <laughs> i mean, i'm glad he fish. can still
2: hold a pen and sign because I mean, he's pretty old not gonna lie he's, yeah
1: i he's also got massive hands right so i don't As understand he how he did it mm. and he definitely magic. did it, he did Disney it off. Magic. he definitely did it off screen like i didn't actually see him do it mm. uh, so i reckon it i've, I've learned later that maybe someone else did it oh. but Controversy. I know. I know that kind of wrecked my, wrecked my.
0: Yeah, it destroys so dreams. It did. My dreams were destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's. Yeah, anyway. Well, yeah. it's excellent Talked to have you my both along uh, on the podcast today. Uh, we're going to talk about it quite a few things. Again, one of the things that often seems to kind of is going to come up is friendship, which is something we've been talking about a lot since we kicked off the podcast again. Um, but I thought uh, before we did that, um, we thought let's talk about something interesting. <laughs> And it has completely similar... Mo- oh, Lego Masters. You guys yes. have been watching Lego Masters? We have been watching Lego yeah. Masters. Tim, uh, tell me about it. Because, I mean, I don't even watch free-to-air TV anymore. So Yeah, this is fine. the one and only time that yeah. we
2: actually connect the cable to our TV um, into the wall or whatever. I don't know how to. Uh, I don't know how the it aerial. The aerial, that's we, the one. We don't the actually aerial.
1: have a cable. We're using yeah. the Nine Now thing. We just do the ones. Oh, you yeah. went streaming, yes. Yeah, we're yeah. just streaming it. Yeah.
2: But Lego Masters, um, yes, it's... Uh, it's a reality TV show where teams of people come and build things of Lego. And uh, what I really like about it is that it's really joyful. Mm. Yeah. Um, so uh, Hamish Blake is the host. Uh, he's got the – his off is Brickman, uh, Jared Brickman-McNaughton. And they he's the, he's the Lego expert, uh, Brickman, and Hamish is the compare, And it's – Hamish knows exactly how to play up the fact that it's kind of reality tv but it's <laughs> in a really frivolous light-hearted kind of way uh, and he's just perfect for it everyone comes in there's it, it's a competition and they're playing for money and prizes and things but all the teams really enjoy each other mm-hmm. uh, and they're encouraging each other and oh that's awesome and oh what are you doing there I like that and mm-hmm. oh have you thought about doing this with your one and so there's this really fun creative um, collaboration and One of the things even from very early on is that, you know, people get eliminated through the series Mm. um, and Brickman's usually the one who announces who's leaving and multiple times he's tearing up uh, as he's announcing that someone's leaving because there's this really lovely friendship uh, which is developed between the people on the show and Brickman and so there's just – it's a really lovely – show um and because it's got lego the kids really enjoy it we really enjoy it we're a lego family Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's great
0: what's your favorite lego thing you've ever built
2: uh for my birthday last year i got um the 1989 batmobile and batwing so from the original like the michael keating uh batman movies uh tim burton and so there's a quite a large model of both of the vehicles from that movie and so i spent some uh, long service leave <laughs> building those and it was a joy how long did it take you to build it uh oh, i don't know i didn't tell myself hours you can't really enjoy the process yeah yeah do. yeah
0: that is the fun thing about you can't even see how it's going to come together yeah you follow the instructions and then it slowly builds up you're like oh there it is yeah yep. yeah that's cool that's very cool yeah lego masters for you uh ethan you've been He's i was going to call him. you Stu, but yeah, no, I'm I'm loving it. It's really fun. The same same kind of reasons, like it's just a
1: really wholesome f- TV experience. It's not this, mm. let's watch this reality TV show where we laugh at people who are backstabbing each other or, mm. or, or getting cranky at each other, or the, a lot of the entertainment comes from the drama. Like it's none of that. It's actually the entertainment comes from people being creative and people being friends. And it's actually really beautiful to watch mm. <laughs> actually. Like it's really genuinely uplifting, really. Mm. Uh, And every so often there's a bit of tension, but that's only because some Lego's breaking. Like, it's not not because people are mad at each other, really. It's just like, oh, I'm struggling to build
0: this hot air balloon like (laughs) something's fell over yeah 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 yeah
2: Um, yeah, they get stuck with an idea there's been a few in the last season where Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um teams have gotten stuck and they haven't been able to move forward there's been a blockage mentally to i don't know how to do this and so that just causes tension so there is yeah there's tension but it's not like you get mm. nice story arcs to it but it's yeah yeah i'm not a
0: huge fan of reality tv but i do like sometimes watching the ones where you've got to be good at something so like lego masters for example they've got to be good um my favorite example is um Project Runway, which was when they yeah. were fashion designers and they had oh, to, yeah, yeah. there was an elimination, but now there's a new one. So they, Heidi Klum, you know, the supermodel Heidi Klum, and then there's a guy called- Sure. <laughs> <laughs> <Which> <laughs> <both did exactly laughs> She's married to, or was married to Seal. Anyway. Sure. sure. <laughs> you don't know who Seal is? Yeah, I know who Seal is, oh, but yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't jog my memory at all. Oh, um, and then there's, there was a guy called Tim Gunn, who was like part of the judging, like, but also like, oh, have you thought about doing this? Anyway, so I used to say this, like, make it work, designers, and, like, would clap and do stuff like that. (laughs) That's great. But it was all about how good you were. Mm. And there's a new series that they've taken, Heidi and Tim, Amazon are doing it now, and it's called uh, Making the Cut. Mm -hmm. But I think they've had three seasons now, but the winner gets a million dollars from Amazon to start their own fashion line, whereas Project Runway, because it was on Bravo originally, it was made by Bravo, it was on Foxtel. I think you only got like 50000 or or $100,000. Yeah. So on Amazon, they get a million dollars to start wow. their own line and a of money. get a shop and do all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's pretty it's pretty cool. Um, but yes, oh, even MasterChef is another good example. You had to be actually be good at it to actually do well. And then MasterChef got it a little bit boring. Well, yeah. I think after four or so seasons. But what else? I was trying to think if there's is there anything else.
1: Is there, there's those... Um, The Glassblower show is apparently really, really good. What? Where they, where they make... What's it called? Blown away. Blown away, blown away. Brayden, Thank you, Brayden off screen is saying, "Blown away is really, really good." <laughs> right. Uh, the cake, uh, Great British Bake Off, is apparently phenomenal. Oh, okay,
2: uh, <laughs> it's another one of those
0: things. I think that's really similar to Lego Masters. See, I have in no
2: patience for reality TV. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't have much, but I think like something like making the cut. Yeah, blown Away. Blown Away is on Netflix. Yep. And. Great British Bake Off is on something. Oh, Hostile. it's like a British show. Yeah, I like heard a, a funny thing. comedian going about as like, can they get them some air conditioning in that place? They're like out there sweating and they're like, today we're making fondant <laughs> or like, or whatever it was and it would just melt because yeah. it was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, <coughs> cool. We're talking, <coughs> shifting from reality TV to reality. What a segue. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Fantastic. We, we talked earlier, or sorry, last episode, Tim, Stu and I about, uh, a report that we found from the, hang on, let me scroll to the top, from the ah, the AEI Survey Centre on American Life and also by Gallup and saying that the percentage of men with at least six close friends fell by half between 1990 and 2021. So that, looking at that, we want to continue to kick off a uh, conversation about friendship and what we thought and um, Ethan we had we had a podcast a couple of episodes ago where we talked a lot about friendship mm. but I thought it worth revisiting this um, maybe not just about men, about how society is going we did talk a little bit about it in the last episode but a couple of things to uh, think about in terms of the links that it's found and also just what it reveals about what's going on in society I think um, I think it's something to really think about and also how we respond to that in our churches and um, what's going on in our congregations. Stu talked about the fastest growing household in Australia is a single-person mm-hmm. single household, for example. But it also says in this study that um, uh, there's a lower relationship satisfaction and quality of communication and also greater fear of intimacy between male friendships, as, a, as an example, and um, what else did we have here? The, the qualities that socialize—they—they they says that we socialize men to value are the same ones that make it hard for them to form lasting connections. I'm unsure about that one. I'm not really sure if it—it's maybe just the way that we talk about friendships rather than or oh, the way we socialize people. And then there's the other one where it's like there's links between health, which are really difficult, uh, and there's a lot of health conditions, but also there's a link between suicide and loneliness in in men as well. So with all that aside, and and I'd be interested to hear what your perspective is about maybe about your own friendships but also what you think um it looks like in society and how as Christians we can relate to that. Ethan, do you want to you want to go be first cab off the rank on what we think talking about?
1: Yeah, I am probably in that uh that's that this the the survey says what a little over 25% of american men have uh, at least six close friends mm. uh in 2021 and i think i'd be i'd be in that side of things more than the other side of things uh and you the
0: close friends or i have i
1: have more close friends than i than my friends do yeah okay uh and i think that's a real blessing and i think uh actually a big part of that has to do with church uh which we could get into later uh as we talk about Uh, responses to this stuff. But um, I think my life and my friendships are a really good example of, oh, look at all these friends I have because I spend a lot of time with them. And I look at my friends who are not spending as much time with one another, uh, more and more struggling with their friendships. And I think uh, one of the things that is really interesting, those, the, I'm, I was uh, a guy in high school whose uh, friendship groups, were split off into group chats. So I had one friendship group, really, through most of high school. Yeah. And that friendship group was divided into two group chats on Facebook Messenger. Really? And then later in high school, another group joined our group. So it was like our group grew. And then there was three group chats. <laughs> and uh, with all with different people in them. Uh, I was the only one in two of them, I think. Hmm. Uh, and that was a really interesting uh thing to watch uh, as we've left high school and uh, the people that despite hanging out together every single day at school the group chats almost split and there was only a few people tying one another to one another uh the this this is all this is all just my personal life um, and not really any um helpful observations as of yet but um it's it's really interesting to see that what has been cool post high school is the people that have stayed connected are the ones that spend time with one another. Mm. And uh, In so actual, uh, the same location. Physical, physical, yeah. physical time with one mm. another. And that's uh, interestingly, doesn't include going out clubbing. So that has interestingly not counted as spending time together
0: uh but you're saying they go and do something together they'll it's go during something.
1: the day they'll go to well like they might go to a pub and hang out and <laughs> have dinner together
0: mm-hmm. uh they might go camping
1: with one another they might go um i have a bunch of mates who regularly uh, will get on a boat and will <laughs> just hang out on a boat on a, all weekend that's just what they do together and they're really really tight uh the boys from school that have not locked into the hang out at church or the hanging out on the boat or the hanging out at the um, at the bar once a month. Uh, the people who have not locked in there have really drifted away from our friendship groups and in a lot of cases drifted away from any friendship groups. Mm. Uh, interestingly, uh, school is something that has held on to a lot of friendship groups and uni has not. Uh, there are, I, have, I have friends who have made friends at uni. However, uh, there is not as many of those as otherwise, if that makes sense,
0: because um, a little bit more transient at uni. Yeah, you yep. you're not forced to spend time with each other for as long as you do at school. Yeah,
1: and I heard something recently about uh, you are friends by convenience at uni. Uh, you are, I am friends with the person who will give me a lift home every day. Yeah, and I will never talk to them again now that they're not giving me That's a lift home t- every day.
0: That definitely happened to me. Uh,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. so <laughs> there's there's that friend there's that friends of convenience thing that kind of comes with a lot of uni friendships Uh, and so that's just that's just some some what's happening now thoughts well you talked about just talked about the group chats yes
0: how do you think being able to contact each other by something else rather than just making a phone call to someone which is what i mean tim and i would have gone through of like you call like a landline phone Mm. and say hey missus can i talk to Ex-friend? Yeah, yeah, Like, how, how do you think that has changed friendships? Because I feel like it's probably perhaps easier to form, and tell me what you think about this, it might be easier to form a friendship online, but it's almost like a precursor to actually spending time with each other and being friends yeah. across that. What do you think?
1: I think I think the, the really cool thing about a group chat, I, I, I don't like them. Like, they're not functional friendships inside them but they're really, really, really good for keeping people connected. And communication. And communication. So it's, we're going on the boat this weekend. All the boys, are you coming? Mm. And half of them won't say anything. And you're like, oh, well, they're not going to come. And we might even follow them up. like, Or we'll publicly call them out in this chat and be like, hey, man, like, what are you doing? Are you coming out with us? Because we want to spend time with you. And so it actually is a really cool... um, setup that this that this generation has of which is which is really weird, right? Why why does um in this in this age where it is so much easier to stay friends with people because of tools like this, why are the stats saying otherwise? Yeah. Um it's it's really interesting that this we're down to 25% of men have at least six close friends. When I reckon, way more than twenty five percent of men are in a group chat with about six guys. Mm, definitely, for sure. Mm. I I will I will, I'll die on that hill. Like <laughs> um, there's and and I yeah. So I think it's really interesting that that doesn't correlate mm. um, statistically. But yeah, I I personally think tools like that are really helpful if mm. they're used properly.
0: And that brought I think it really speaks to the broad way you can communicate with a group chat. I'm definitely. thinking about even with the parents of the my son's soccer team that i coach you can broadcast a message very quickly and easily and everyone knows exactly what's going on oh training's cancelled you just have to send one message for example whereas i think previously the manager of the team would have to call every single household and say training is called off i think that's where Mm -hmm. the extreme benefit it is huge and then also being in a group chat can be a really easy way to know what's going on, and you don't have to participate to a certain degree as well. Mm. But then there's the the flip side of that is you miss the whole relational part of being in a group with people. Yeah, we talked. You talked Tim um, last week about no, we're made to be together, mm. and um, that's where I suppose I can flip it to you. What do you think that about what Ethan's saying? But also, I'd love you to touch on that again, going. Because we're saying, well, why are why are we seeing statistics like the one that we've read at? Where is that coming from? Uh, perhaps the internet and how we communicate on it plays a role, but also, what are we? How are we created to be relational too?
2: Yeah. Think? Okay. Lots to talk, talk about this. Sorry. <laughs> um, just the, bouncing off what Ethan was said about you know why we are more connected. Um, but we're more lonely. And this is... Mm, yeah. A lot of social scientists are noticing this. That, So, which... At the guts of it means that the connection is not what relationship is about. So it's not just... It can't be just about knowing what each other is doing. Knowing
0: lots of people. Knowing, right, lots yeah. of people yeah.
2: knowing lots of people. Knowing lots of broadcast information about people. Um, yeah, you go to uh, your social media feed, you know... I mean, Facebook, you know, I know it's a bit of an old person's social media, but <laughs> it's it's the type of platform where uh, you know a lot of people and so you see their particular updates. Um, Instagram, I think, kind of works similar. depends your proportion of who you followed, you know, professional accounts versus friends, people you know. Um, but just because you see all of these people's information... Uh, There's a certain sense of connectedness. So there's, you know, friends of mine from school that I know where they live in the world. I know the jobs that they have. I know how many kids they have. I know what they had for their anniversary weekend. Mm. Um, But I'm not friends with them in a meaningful way, as in haven't talked to them for sometimes 20 years. Uh, But we're connected on Facebook. So we get to see each other's lives. We get to Mm. sort of, you know voyeuristically look into each other's lives in a way that we can make us feel connected. Um, But it's not real in any sort of deep and meaningful sense. Uh, And it's because I do think that there is something incarnate about how God has created us to be, that uh, it's not that we can't maintain friendships out of bodied experiences and, you know, even pre- internet you've got people who are writing letters to each other and Mm. um you know maintaining good relationships by being able to write to each other and communicate in a way without even having met but there's uh, um there's something unique about the uh, social media experience and the texts and text chats and those kinds of things where there is um it, it looks like there's an immediacy to it but it's a false sense of connectedness and a false sense of community which is why we can feel so connected and yet be so disconnected in in, in so little friendships and actually realise actually i don't actually know all that many people i do feel lonely Mm -hmm. um because i don't have those six friends and perhaps
0: maybe increases sorry to talk over but also perhaps increases the feeling of loneliness because i'm like i'm connected to so many people but I still feel lonely. Mm. Why is that? And then increases the feelings of, oh, well, even if you go, I'll, I'll do more to online to find more friends. It's, it's still like, oh, this feels like there's something missing. Do you reckon?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I know that this can be significant for those when you see your f- other friends that you think you're a part of go off and do something. And then they post about it on social media. And then you're like, <laughs> oh. They went and did something, and either I was invited and I chose not to go, like your mates who mm. chose not to go on the boat yeah. uh, for the weekend. So you you may have opted out of that, mm. uh, or you may have never been invited, which then increases the pain and loneliness even more. It's like oh, mm. no, I thought that I would have been invited to that thing and I wasn't. Yeah. So that could be really painful as well and increase our sense of loneliness. Oh, well, am I really their friends? Clearly not, because I didn't get invited to such and such, and there is uh, one of the pain points i suppose in friendships can be when you perceive a friendship to be different to yeah. what they perceive it as and you think you're close friends with them and then you realize that they're going off and having these adventures or doing these things or going to the movies with these people and these people and you feel, oh this whole group went to something and you didn't oh that's really interesting i thought i would have been invited so that can be a particularly painful point where the loneliness can really hit in and make you feel that there's a disconnect mm. there so i think that's uh, a significant part of it coming back to how do you actually maintain friendship or what is the the guts of friendship as you were talking i was thinking there's a connection um in friendship between time and task mm. uh, i'm just coming up with this on the spot so oh, there's probably, probably something down yeah <laughs> probably some social scientists that can give me data on this but it is about time spent with people uh, and actual time spent and that could be it can be online Stu talked last week about gaming communities uh, who might spend a lot of time gaming with each other in particularly campaigns on particular games or whatever but also incarnate relationships and this is where that friendship of convenience is real in a sense that you are spending a lot of time with these people and
1: we are friends
2: and you are friends mm. you're you you and uh churches don't Churches may fall into the same trap as well, that you are friends with these people because there's a convenience of you all having to be at the same service. I see, yep. And so there can be a sense where you're being friendly with all of these people and they are friends. and You do do things together. And this is the other thing is that it's task as well. So one of the things that we've constantly talked about at Soul Revival is your closest friends are those you do ministry with. And that's uh, both an, an is and an ought. That is, we actually want you to opt into a model of ministry, which is I'm going to choose to actively make these people close friends. Mm. And so I'm going to choose to put time, effort, attention mm. uh, into these people. But it's also, and it is true, not just ought to be true, it is true because if you are spending a lot of time on a particular task together, then you will be friends with those people. And so it's why people at school or university, if you cover up a whole lot of classes or at work, when you're engaged in a particular task together, you're working on the same vision and mission for whatever the organisation is, is—you know, blue-collar, white-collar, creative, whatever it is. If you're working with these people and you're spending a lot of time together, you've got time and you've got task. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that are driving those relationships. And if either of those disappears... <laughs> then that's when the, the loss, you can have the loss of f- friendship. Uh, and when the really interesting thing about you know, when, when people move apart is how do you maintain that or who do you maintain mm. friendships with? And I certainly know that in the ministry world, people who move churches every five to ten years, there's a big question about, well, do you try and keep up with all of those people that you have been friends with, um, or in my role, I've been an advisor for almost eleven years. There's been you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of children's ministers that I've worked with who have moved out of my area or left children's ministry or are in different churches, and I would have said I was friends with them during that time. Yeah. But there's very few of them that I would still ring up now and say, "Hey, hey, I haven't heard from you six months." Yeah. Um, and so there was a there was friendship. But there was a convenience that was driving it because we were on task together. In, we wanted to deliver excellent, efficient um, children's ministry in this particular church. We would spend time together on that. And now they have moved to another side of Sydney or have you know, stepped out of ministry or whatever. Uh, and so we're not friends anymore because there's not a structure through which to foster that friendship.
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting um, in looking at this this data and statistics and um even a video I found and it's talking about a friendship recession. Uh, I'm wondering I mean Ethan, you're a youth and youth mission pastor, sorry get your title right. Mm-hmm. And then Tim and your children's pastor. Do you think that's true? Do you think there is a friendship recession? Um I think
1: that there is, from my observation there is a societal need for people to be real with one another. And I think part of that is because people are lonely and no one's being like actually them with them. And they don't feel um, cared for. Cared they don't for. feel cared for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is, yeah, maybe there's less friendships going on. Maybe there's, uh, I, I do spend a lot of time with teenagers and, uh, they are, in, as you as we were talking about before, they're the ones who are very... Uh, sorry, maybe we weren't talking about it on here. Maybe we were talking about it beforehand uh, or in this video. They talk about uh, the fact that uh, men's relationships are often tribal uh, and as teenagers you see heaps of that. You actually see heaps of really good friendships uh, in amongst these solid tribes of guys that roam around the school or stay in the one spot or whatever. Uh, but even in that, there's always... The one who is not included, or is the one that is left out, or is the uh, even the group that is not included, or the group that is not left that is left out. And uh, however, I don't know uh, because I don't have statistics probably from within high schools. We have we have people who are out of high school and are now going, Oh my goodness, I'm lonely. Where are all my friends? Uh, I'd love to see some stuff on teenagers in high schools going, Oh yeah, I actually feel really lonely, even though I'm in the prime friendship time of my life like this is if you think about it that's the time where you're going to spend the most time with people every day uh, for long hours all the time (laughs) and
2: um, And I think that's always been a thing yeah Yeah, yeah, I think think yeah adolescent loneliness has always been a thing yeah yeah, adolescent development is really awkward and Mm. uh, even those who look well connected uh, may not be mm-hmm. well connected or may feel lonely even if they're in the cool group yeah. um, and so you, you got
1: there's, a, there's a million and one teen, teen dramas about it
2: absolutely that's right yeah and that's the, the theme of every teen drama every movie um, every TV show is you know I feel lonely I feel disconnected whatever how do I be part of this group um, or this is lonely kid over there blah 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 and you try and get them involved and so that's yeah it, it's not a new thing in that sense um I think, I mean, yeah, there does seem to be a lot of data to support the idea of a friendship recession, that there is less, people are feeling less um, like friends, that they have less friends. And so I don't have any reason to deny that that's actually true. You know, there seems to be enough sociological data out there that says that. Um, What's interesting is the causes. uh, What are the causes Mm. for that? And what um We can do about that, and so there's there's a video we can put in the show notes about uh, friendship recession. Richard Reeves, uh, and he talks about four key things. Uh, would be good to interest and talk about. So one is geographic mobility. So people yeah. move around a lot more, and so when you dislocate yourself from the space where you had friendships, obviously you're out of proximity, and so lack. Uh, change of proximity is going to make a big difference because you have all those um, convenience friendships which can be genuinely sustaining and genuine friendships, but if you then move out of that, is a huge amount of work now to put into yeah. that. Um, one of the most interesting ones he talks about is parenting. Uh, and this is kind of a bit of a double-edged sword from the way he described it, that a lot of parents are putting more time into their kids... And as a parenting advocate, I'd say that's awesome. Like, <laughs> isn't that great that you're spending more time with your kids? And we certainly want to say, wouldn't want people to spend less time with their kids. I don't think that would be a healthy model. But uh, his comment is that you, if you spend more time with your kids to the detriment of outside friendships, that can be really stifling. And so you're not actually getting adult relationships. And so that's a good thing, particularly if there are parents. Uh, if if you're in a a, a two-parent home if you're part of a two-parent household to be thinking how do I give my spouse time to be with other adult friends mm. um, and then if you're in a single parent home or you know those who are in single parent homes that's even more important that you actually help that single parent get friendship and proximity to adult friendships because that's even more isolating because you're the only or the the primary caregiver for a particular child um and therefore you don't actually get the shared in the household so that's significant um the the third one he talked about is workism uh and so working longer hours putting more time into work and therefore you're not finding those spaces outside of work so the third spaces that we talked about last week um and then the last one he talked about was social fracturing so and this is where you have if you've got a lot of friendships as a couple but if the couple breaks apart, there's a divorce or a separation, then the friends often feel that they need to pick a side or just step away because it's awkward. And so, mm. when a, a couple separates, there can be a fracturing of their social situations as well. So, there's a four that he gives, which um, I thought was interesting. What do you guys think?
1: I, I think it's also interesting that uh, you asked about the the, the the social the recession the friendship recession from a from a person talking about high schoolers and then you look at the main four reasons for it and almost none of them apply to, well, that's to what's right. happening yeah. in a high yeah. school yeah. yeah and so yeah and so as i as i was <laughs> trying to think about whether that's happening in high school it actually there's probably an element of it mm. but for none, I think of, if for we none were of those specifically reasons,
2: uh, looking at adolescents we would identify different reasons 100 yeah.
1: 100 but uh, but it was it was interesting that uh that almost none of them can compute like um, the maybe the geographic mobility, but people have always been moving. That's always happened. Yep. Yep. Uh, the parenting, maybe kids are more friends with their parents than they are with their friends. Um, the workism, maybe they're more focused on school uh, and getting part-time jobs. Uh, and the social fracturing, fact, fracturing yet divorce impacts, uh, impacts kids kid, absolutely. Kid, yeah. kid heaps. Right, yep. and um, that all that all works, but I don't know if any of that is different enough. Mm. from what it was before to be causing um, that in high schools. However, uh, it, is, uh, it would be interesting to see if I, like, we could find another, another study that's looking at it from that angle.
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe we can research that for next week. Yeah. Um, your comment about the parenting one, mm. that kids spending more time with their parents, uh, one of the things, for, um, The Coddling of the American Mind, If uh, you know I've read that book, it's an excellent book. Jonathan Haidt. Jonathan Haidt, um, Craig Luk- Lukoff. Lukiaco. Luki Ako. Luki Yeah, oh, hang on.
0: I'll look it up. You'll work to pronounce that. Yeah. Apologies. Gre- I think listening. it's Greg. Greg. Gre- Apologies, Greg, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> so, out to Greg.
2: But one of the things I identify is that children are spending more time in the home. Yeah. um And mm-hmm. the way that that is damaging relationships mm. because they're not experiencing the world outside. yeah And so there's a. A lot of that is wrapped up in safetyism uh, and not wanting to know where your kids are. Oh, sorry, wanting to know where yeah, your kids yeah, are, yeah. not wanting to not know. Yeah. Um, and so that's a huge part of it. And kids aren't out in the neighbourhood, in the community, in the streets, mm-hmm. just being friends with the people around them. And I
0: think, I, and Lukianov, that's how you pronounce it, um, ties that to uh, the rise of cable news to a certain degree and the... Um, uh, publicizing more of child abductions mm. yes so they do a yeah. big thing yeah. and then essentially parents are far less likely to let their children play yeah. out on the street for a longer period of time
2: yeah and there's the, the classic example from america is new york which uh during the 90s uh, became noticeably safer yes. as a city um, but the anxiety of people grew and so the perception the perception of safety was declining while the actual safety was inclining and it was a lot of that cable news. It was the picture of the lost or abducted kid on the milk bottles. Mm-hmm. So all those kind of things in the, cult, in the American culture was that this is a really significant thing. You should be really worrying and panicking about this. Uh, keep your kids safe. Uh, but people became more anxious at a time when actually the cities were getting safer mm-hmm. as well. So there was a disconnect there, but as a parent, you don't feel that disconnect, you want to protect your kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And even as a parent that Ros and I have talked about is that I know academically that my kid suffering is going to build them stronger. Going through hardships, failing at things, breaking arms, getting lost, all of that at the other side is actually going to make them a much better, well-rounded psychologically and socially safer person. But I don't want to put them in those situations. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not going to intentionally do that. So, uh, yeah, there's that... I feel that tension as a parent um, of that safetyism kind of idea.
0: It's interesting. I know that in Japan, for example, they um, when uh, kids are ready to go to school, they just send them off on the subway on their own. And there's a cultural expectation that everyone on the subway or anywhere else will just help them, guide them of where they need to be. So it's a... I mean, because I know that height and Lukianov... <laughs> start talking about how things have continually changed until we get to a place where there's high levels of anxiety amongst children and teenagers. And they also talk about the connectiv- connectivity, connectedness of our world and using the internet and the impact that social media has had on, particularly on younger girls, the increase of um, self-harming and things like that. It's, it's really quite awful statistics. They've like tripled in some scenarios and stuff yeah. like that. And I heard an interesting thing on another podcast because we were talking about uh, society but also our connectedness and we're also feeling lonely that one thing that someone said, and I can't remember, to be perfectly honest, I can't remember who said it, but almost that the fact, it was in relation to kind of how, you know, the Twitter mob. You mm-hmm. know, Twitter mobs can be created can all just jump on one thing. Yeah. But it's because we're so connected that we're almost, um, it's almost like a tribal thing again, of like we're not designed as humans to interact with more than say around 100 people so we're kind of you're in a village and you interact with that many people and we can handle that but when we put that out onto a, a, a wider stage on the internet we're not really sure how to, un- to handle this like the, the criticism or the even the comparative side of using the internet mm. we don't know how to deal with that so that's where another part of it is it adds to all that anxiety and and difficulties that we seem to be coming out of that. Um, Not really sure what (laughs) my question would be after that, but do you feel like, I think that's my question is, are there any, do you have any personal anecdotes there that kind of illustrate what we're talking about today? Because it's easy enough to talk, I think, about, we can look at this data and go, oh, that's because society's doing this. But where do you see it affecting yourself personally? Um, You said, Ethan, for example, that you don't like group chats very much. Uh, Why is that? And then what's your kind of reasoning behind it? Why do you think that it's not a helpful... Why is it a helpful... We've talked about why it's a helpful thing to be connected so much, but why would it be an unhelpful thing to be connected so much? Mm. I think
1: there's... uh, Stu talks about this uh, often, and I'll (laughs) talk to him about texting, and he'll talk about how Uh, There was a time where you'd call up someone's house Mm. and you'd ask if they're home and their mum or dad would say no and You'd say do you know when they'd be home and they'd say I don't know Mm. and then you wouldn't be able to talk to them and You'd have to figure it out later. And there is none of that. now. it is uh, this idea of Everything has to be instant and everything has to be perfect and everything has to happen right and so you a group chat is that on steroids, uh, in that in that you message fifteen people and you expect all fifteen people to be looking at you and paying attention and listening to the thing you want to.
2: <laughs> this is really important.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so you have this idea of um, if every one of those fifteen people is doing that all the time, uh, you uh, you are. Um, I'm getting bombarded by text messages <laughs> at the moment and um uh, that's the other thing sorry it's 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 all these things are vying for your attention uh, and often it actually ends up pulling you out of real life stuff uh not that this isn't real life because these are real people and you're having real interactions with them uh but uh i was sitting today at a cafe with a friend and we talked about a book for an hour and a half and it was really fun and the table next to us were these two uh, friends i assume um just ladies sitting on their phone their dogs sitting at their feet and they were just texting for maybe 30 minutes of our one hour conversation and every time i glanced over they were back on their phones and they actually weren't like sometimes you'll sit on your phone you'll talk to someone you'll be like oh i'll show you this video or i'll I'll get this meme up or whatever and and it's all or i'm researching something to like to help the conversation and that's all helpful but they weren't actually talking to one another Mm -hmm. and it was this thing of uh it's not group chats fault uh, that's, um, that's this is this is, I'm, I'm going somewhere else now I think but um, we often don't seem to be able to uh, separate the digital and the physical I think that's communication yep. uh, as there are times where we're going to need to actually talk to one another in person and there are times where we are not and I think what I was trying to touch on before uh, when I was talking about being real was that concept of um. Uh, actually, physically being with someone without any digital stuff around you actually feels heaps different. Mm. Uh, and in my personal life, I I see that all the time, uh, and uh, I see that with my friends. As uh, there are those of us who will uh, who will um, I'm trying to find a nice way of saying this, uh, who will be more likely to complain about another friend because that friend spent the whole night on their phone instead of hanging out with us. Uh, and that's in person. Like that's not, oh, that guy dogged us to go play video games all night, which also happens, <laughs> yeah. but it's actually this genuine, we are physically here together, and but we are not physically here together.
2: Well, they, they call it fubbing, I think. Okay, it's fubbing. Just, fubbing is the habit of snubbing a physical present person in favor of a mobile phone.
0: And the thing, the phone doesn't care does it. No. The phones like I'm going to get as much attention as you can because that's where it's incentivized to do so.
1: However, the people on the other side are expecting instant responses and on expecting instant content contact. So, I will be oh, sorry, I just really need a reply to my friend who just texted me.
2: And this is because the because
1: I do, like I really need to, you know what I mean?
2: And this is the whole like we're we're embedded in a culture now. So, even if you individually decided, I'm going to be slow to respond, I'm mm. going to be inattentive to my phone so that I can be attentive to the relationships that I have, there, because we're in this web of expectation of instantaneous contact, the you are likely going to be contacted by people who are wanting immediate yep. results. Uh, and you, by yourself, choosing to not engage with that may then cost you those friendships Mm. like people may stop inviting you to things stop having conversations with you stop oh there's no point messaging joel because he never responds there's no point um sending asking ethan if he wants to come because we won't know for the next two days whether he's engaged or not because you bought whatever it is and so there's there's a there's this web which it's very hard to disconnect from uh, and it's the same – I've been thinking a lot about this in terms of the adolescent world as well. Mm. Yeah, massive. Because there's huge amounts of data that says the best thing to do for your teenager is to keep them off mobile phones for as long as absolutely possible yep. and keep them off social media for as long as absolutely possible. Yeah. And so there's the, – the key thing is to be, to be the best parent is to keep them off all of those devices, Right. Oh, except all of their friends are on those devices.
0: Really and so isolated.
2: And then they're isolated. Mm. So they're feeling isolated. You're enhancing the isolation. Yeah. Um, if you hand them the phone and c- help them to connect with their friends, therefore the social world is now at their fingertips. They can mm. now connect in the way that all of their friends at school are connecting with, and yet you're also handing them uh, all of the other things that are really detrimental about immediacy and screen time and et cetera, et cetera, and all the damaging things that we clear from the data is absolutely damaging our teenagers. Which is
0: really funny because there's someone in our church who um, said they, they chose not to give a mobile phone to their to their children. They've got three children up until a certain age, and I think their oldest is in Year 9 or Year 10. and Year 9, year nine and um, the teacher's said came to those those parents and said um hey can you come and speak at the pnc meeting to talk about how you dealt with this (laughs) but it was because they're like your son is really engaging he's really fun and he's really enjoyable and there's a lot of other kids who seem to have phones and seem to not be able to engage properly on a on a personal level and that relational level as we're talking about so yeah it's a real difficult one for parents to navigate it's like my my kids aren't old enough yet. Mm. Yours are a little bit older Tim than mine Mm. but yeah it's something that I'm thinking about a lot of the time is how are we going to handle this? I'm still not sure actually. Have you had any thoughts about it? Like how do you handle it with your kids?
2: Yeah so we uh, have not given mobile phones um, until we've just at the start of this year given my year nine son my old hand-me-down phone uh, and it took a good 30 seconds for him to be completely addicted um which we already knew because they had ipads but Mm -hmm. the ipads were not ones with um data things so they were only useful at home they were old i think we bought them for them when they had to bring their own device when they were in year three so my older son's his ipad would be six years old Mm. my daughter's would be what four years old uh so they're they're older devices they only work on wi-fi they did have some messaging ability to some of their friends but not much because they're not on any of the social medias um, but yeah we sort of we've, we felt that year nine was a, probably about right in that balance between uh, you know trying to hold off for as long as possible but also allowing contact and relationships and those kinds of things uh, but yeah it is it's one of those things where I knew what the results would be. Um, it there is addictive tendencies, but then there's also uh, you might even see this, Joel, with your own kids, where you you notice in your kids frustrating habits that you do, yep. and they become even more frustrating because you realise that <laughs> that's wrong, it's unhelpful, it's damaging to you, and I do exactly the same thing, and yeah. so I find it hard <laughs> to tell you off for it. And so um, it there is that idea, like I mean, I, I know that I'm addicted. To my phone I'm always looking for the next ping Wanting for the next And I have clamped mine down mm. A fair way And I go through moments Where I'll cut everything off And yeah. um, I've got this little app Which is brilliant Which shuts off um, Basically the internet For all my devices uh, And you can schedule all times mm. And again You've got to do that In your best moment So yeah. You wake up in the morning thinking, oh, I want to get something done today <laughs> I'm going to schedule this To kick in at Eight And not Click off until one, um, because if you wait till eight, you'll be like, oh, even I might just check the news and oh, just and then you're down a rabbit warren and so yeah. I can't remember it's the name twirling. of the
0: tool. There's a tool that does that, but it also deno- donates to charity when you actually
2: oh, nice. break it. Oh, that's cool. oh right, okay. So
0: if you break the ha- like it, it this one, I can't break. Like yeah, okay. It,
2: <laughs> you, there is there is no option. What's, what's your one called? Ah, uh, Freedom. Freedom. Okay. I really really I like can't, it.
0: Yeah, I can't remember. That's cool. I can't remember the name of. The one that I'm talking about, it's like, but even if you go to change the settings, like, oh, I just want to do something, it'll say, it'll, like, you must have obviously, you must connect your credit card to it or something, but it'll like, it'll take money off your card. Is
2: it worth $10 to (laughs) look at this news article or this YouTube? which is quite, quite interesting.
0: that's a very cool idea. Yeah. yeah. So we've talked about, you know, certain things that go on. How, How, like, Tim, you preached last week, actually, about salt and light, and we actually, you precursor that on the previous episode and how there's almost a mandate from Jesus saying like you can uh make things better, more positive, more powerful, uh powerfully positive, that's how you described it. Um being in a in a a world that doesn't know Jesus. Where this stuff that we're talking about, how do we respond and how do we behave as Christians? Because I think sometimes as you were saying with your parents uh, you being a parent, sorry that your behavior on your phone or your computer might be the behavior that you are asking them not to do but you are doing it yeah and i think it's the same as christians and i think i I remember i was sick a few weeks ago and i spent so much time on instagram i got so angry with myself i deleted the app (laughs) because it was just like i'm not this is providing zero benefit to me there, yes. is, there is no benefit to me right now of doing this. It can be nice for a bit of a brain break sometimes because I was sick and not doing anything. And I was feeling like, I just kept scrolling. And it was just like, I am feeling like rubbish. I need to change this. Well, well it's
1: really interesting because I think
0: uh, it's easy to sit down and be
1: like, oh, I'll have a rest. I'll sit on my phone for a bit. And I think mm. there is actually nothing restful about it. No, it's not it's restorative. It, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. actually. Do anything from your, from a brain chemical perspective mm. it actually doesn't it, uh, over-stimulates, it overstimulates you stimulates yeah yeah. yeah yeah
2: yeah and that's um another little thing i use for productivity is the pomodoro method which is mm. to work for 25 minutes yeah, and have a break for good. five minutes and then just do that at infinitum um but one of the key things that they say is in that five minutes do not go on screens like particularly if you're a screen-based work mm. um if you're doing uh, twenty-five minutes of screen. Stand up, walk away, and mm. absolutely, get a drink or something yeah, do something else. But absolutely, don't do any of those things. Mm. Not only because you might get caught up, and you know, five YouTube episodes later, <laughs> you've um, realized that you've wasted your next three mm. Pomodoro mm. sessions. <laughs> but but because of that exact reason, you said, Ethan, it's not restorative. Mm. You actually don't give the, yourself the break that you need, and I think that's true as well. And I've done this when I've done coaching with children's ministers, and they talk about, oh, I just. I feel it's taken a lot out of me to go to this school and to teach three scripture lessons in a row. I come back to church, and I just sit on my phone mm. for an hour um, and I've asked the same thing, like you just said, and so do you feel rested after that? Yeah, no, not really. No, no that's right. You could probably spend half an hour uh, doing something totally different and then be totally refreshed and then kick off your afternoon doing something else. Go mm. and have a meal, go sit at a beach or go sit go in a park a walk, and yeah. go for a walk. Yeah. And So... Yeah, there's, and again, that's the lie that we have, that we we will find rests uh, in these technologies, and we don't. Mm. So to go back to your question, like as Christians, I think we do have a responsibility as Christians to think differently about these things, to not be told by the marketing companies, by the, um, the, the
0: algorithm, the
2: algorithm, <laughs> uh, and but to just to be wise to the fact um, that they are not interested in helping you to become a disciple of Jesus. So there, there is nothing in the phone. Um, maybe you might be able to justify one or two. I I've
0: only followed church people.
2: It's the Bible app and it gamifies <laughs> me to have streaks. And if I pray for enough, like, yeah, maybe. But the, the whole attention-grabbing economy uh, is not designed to help you to be a disciple of Jesus. It's
0: selling your attention. Absolutely. It's selling your attention for advertising revenue. Yeah.
2: And particularly these big companies, they have hundreds of people, um, people who are psychologically trained, who are in the business of directing your attention back to their product Mm. so that you are tricked into feeling like you're getting something out of it Mm. when actually it's just all sugar candy and there's nothing substantial to it. And I think uh, it would be wonderful if... Christians were on the forefront of saying this is not the right this is not healthy way of living this is not actually what it means to be human Uh, this is not what it means to have relationships and so therefore we want to make sure that we are leading culture uh, in salt and light in the way that we use technology. Mm.
0: Um, There's a couple of things you talked about there one thing that made me think of, um, there is, uh, some people may have co- come across him as a neuroscientist called Andrew Huberman, <coughs> and he talks about things like social media addiction and, and other kinds of addictions, but one of the things is that we were talking about, if I go on my phone, I'll feel rested, <coughs> but we actually think, we're tricked into thinking that because we get a dopamine kick of some kind, and the, the apps, or whatever we're using, let's say, Instagram for example, is... Totally designed by those teams through the algorithm to be able to just keep your attention for as long as possible, keep serving you things that you've been watching for over and over. <coughs> he was saying though, if the brain is continually subjected to dopamine hits, hits that uh, aren't preceded by effort or some a struggle, the brain becomes overstimulated, and that's where you get that yeah, feeling. So instead of Working for something and then going, oh, I need a dopamine hit. Or let's say you go work out. You do a, a workout mm. and you feel great afterwards. Mm. You've struggled for that and you get the a good amount of dopamine that rewards you for that. Mm. But if you have constant rewards of dopamine that, for example, social media is giving you, mm. it tires the brain out and it ends up being almost flooded with dopamine that hasn't earned. Mm. So then you start feeling... Exhausted, but the problem is that also creates the cycle. Continually creates a cycle that you need to keep getting mm. the, dop- the dopamine. So I thought that was really fascinating and a, a, <clears throat> a helpful way to talk about and using science to think about this a bit more biblically or Christianly, as you're saying.
2: Yep, that's good. I'm now following him on Twitter, so <laughs> he'll come up. Oh, he's feed. a bit—he's
0: a bit of a beast. That guy, like he, he's a uh, Stanford professor, and he does a podcast and talking about optimizing human, the human body, and things like that. But yeah, he's—he's he's got some really interesting podcasts. Um, moving on because I think this this is something that we need to keep talking about a lot of the time I think that if as Christians I think as you're saying Tim we need it's almost an imperative to to think about how do we do this in a way that can be restorative even or can be uh, people use the words redemptive all those ways of like how are we um, sharing the truth of the love of Jesus and I think for example, it was one of the motivations behind this podcast of starting this podcast was to like let's use the medium in a way that we can hopefully talk about these things in a way in with a Christian perspective. But I did want to call out a thing um, that you talked about Tim and actually in a blog that you wrote where you talked about being um, we're still on the the theme of friendship is talking about whether you're a leader or friend, Especially in youth ministry, and like, let me just throw at this quote that you put actually put on the article, and we'll link this in the show notes. But it says you started the article with, "Remember, you're their leaders, not their friends." What did that? Te- why did that tempt you to write an article about that?
2: It's a number of years <sighs> ago now, um, but it stuck with me. Was I was uh, visiting a church, and they were leading their I think it was a, a brief pre ministry briefing with their leaders, uh, and they threw this line out and just said, remember guys, like the leadership team, remember our leadership team, you're their leaders, not their friends. So when the kids walk through the door, the teenagers walk through the door, can't remember what age it was, um, you're their leader, not their friend. And it stuck, struck me at the time, as was like, oh, that doesn't quite sound right to me, but I'm not sure why. Mm. Uh, and what I thought at the time was, oh, do I have to choose? Um, between those two things. Anyway, many, many years now, <laughs> later I've sat down and actually wrote out my thoughts mm-hmm. on that uh, and talked about whether, wondering if we do need to choose in that. And we have talked a lot about how friendship is one of the key values of this church and that was the, the first two episodes of um, the current block of episodes uh, has been on We still want to be friends and we're putting friendship as a really high priority. It's one of the strategic distinctiveness Mm. of our church uh, that we're putting friendship high on the agenda. And so I'm not in any way undermining that. I also want to recognise, and this is probably the heart with which this was said by this other minister, that leadership is important and there are important parts of actually being the uh, mature person who's been delegated responsibility for these young people in the room, it's really essential that you actually acknowledge that and recognise that and use that effectively. Um, And to think biblically, uh, Jesus um, and Paul call leaders to a really high account. Uh, They've got really high value of leadership and It is irresponsible and potentially dangerous for the adult in the room to not own the leadership responsibility that they have. Um, It can actually go really badly if they don't, if they just pretend that, oh, we're just buddy buddies with all the kids. It's like, no, you're not buddy buddies um, in a way that uh, delegitimizes the power and influence that you have. So there's a right kind of power uh, that leaders have and it's essential that they use that power for the good of service to the young people and that's what leadership is so it's all about that uh, and friendship is uh, that we are genuinely want to be friends with these young people and so that's been really key part of our ministry strategy is that I actually see these people not as just uh, those in my ministry they're not just um, kids or teenagers they actually are friends not future friends potentially one day when they grow up old enough they're friends now and I value the friendship that we have now and so um in the article i sort of played those off against each other and i said well maybe is there a way to sort of cut the gordian knot like make it not a dichotomy false dichotomy between those two things Mm. and one of the things i've been thinking about is whether the language of um family older brother older sister might be the way to balance these responsibilities and so if i Enter a a room with a whole lot of children and i see myself primarily as an older brother or an older sister in christ to these kids uh then does that help us to balance these ideas and so i sort of argued in there that i think it does that it helps me because an older brother uh has an authority uh, they have a maturity um But they also are equally part of the family. So there's an equality that comes with friendship. There's a a warmth that comes with friendship. And if a a good older brother is caring for the younger sibling but also has a maturity for them and a responsibility for them as well. And so they're able to hold those two things in tension. So, um, yeah, that was kind of where I was getting that with that. So leader, friend, uh, if you... Go to either of those extreme, you're not going to be doing well in leadership. Uh, and perhaps somewhere to actually bring that all together uh, is to talk about being older brothers and older sisters. So that was where that came from.
0: What do you reckon, Ethan? Does that ring true in terms of youth ministry as well? Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I think it. And I think it rings true into
1: outside of youth and child, mm-hmm. children's ministry. Mm-hmm. I think uh, as we uh, are in teams together doing ministry throughout the church, if we are thinking of ourselves as uh, if you are in a leadership position over someone, whether they are a child, a teenager, or another adult, mm-hmm. um, it is really important to yes, you're, you are their leader, and that is really important, and yes, you are their friend, and that is really important, uh, and having that balance between the both, and whether that's brother or sister, like that, that's a really great little terminology, um, but that dichotomy is really good to to kind of get uh, because dichotomy was that the right word uh, because they they're not they're not opposites, so it's not necessarily but those two those two things it's really important to find that middle ground across all of our ministry is what i'm trying to say because
0: yep uh no, not just not just kids not just youth ministry because yeah, it is it is really important mm.
1: if i am if i am leading a cleanup team it is really important for me to be able to lead that cleanup team and have the authority over those people mm. to get them to come every week and get them to actually do their job, yes, organize and organize yeah. and do all yeah. that stuff. It yep. is on a different level and it is a different level of responsibility, <laughs> but it is still a level of responsibility. Mm. Mm. However, it is also really important, uh, particularly in the way we do things here at Saw so Revival, uh, for uh, that leader of the cleanup team to be friends with the people in that cleanup team because it makes the whole thing work smoother mm. and it makes the whole thing fun uh, and something you actually want to do. If if it's just a task. Uh, it doesn't actually ring true. Uh, and so you want to be able to be doing both in that setting. And that's, that's just a, a, a one example of doing it with adults too. Uh, I think that's really important.
0: Mm. So let's, tie the, let's see if we can tie these two things together. And I'll need help with this. I'm not saying I can do it. So we're talking about perhaps to a degree culture, being Christians in culture and dealing with the extra amount of connectivity but also the uh, the way that it seemingly seems to be increasing loneliness. We also talked about how important friendship is to our health and well being and things like that. But then we're also talking about being leaders as uh, sorry friends and leaders at the same time. Are they linked? I feel like they are linked, but I'm trying to come up with the link that. And I, I, I mean, the easy answer is Jesus. <laughs> <coughs> And we talked about last week, Tim, from your uh, sermon two weeks ago about uh, continually circling back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think we do talk about that a lot on the podcast and I think it's important to talk about. But can you help me flesh this out a little bit? So how do we, how do we use what Jesus has given us, the way that he transforms us, to even allow him to transform those third spaces that we talk about? And how do we also be friends at the same time with the people that we're trying to love?
2: Yeah, so uh, the danger of adding so <laughs> many new ideas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a, a great book um, by a guy called Joseph Hellerman called When the Church Was a Family. And one of the things he talks about is there's a necessary corporateness to our salvation. So when we are saved... Um, in the West, we have typically prioritised the personal relationship with Jesus um, to the detriment of recognising that actually the Bible talks about the corporate nature into which we are saved as well. Uh, and if we take that seriously, then what it means is that my church is not just an optional place, it's actually an essential place. Mm. And so the classic is um, there's a great preacher in Sydney, by the name of John Chapman, passed away a number of years ago now. Uh, But one of his favourite little lines was that being a Christian is like playing netball, it's not like playing golf. And because you can play golf alone, you can't play netball alone. And if someone, you know, you walk past someone shooting hoops in their front yard and you say, oh, you play netball? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I I play netball. Oh, great, who do you play with? I don't really play with anyone it's like well you're not really playing netball then are you (laughs) um because netball is inherently a corporate game you you can't you can't play netball uh by yourself it's impossible um if you you can practice you can do a whole lot of things but you're not actually playing netball and so his point is that that's what being a christian is that um can you be a christian by yourself well i mean yes it's possible if you're the only christian in a village um, and you have no other way of gathering with other Christians. It's not that Jesus says, oh, sorry, I'd love to adopt you into my family, but there's actually no way because there's no one else for you to meet with. So therefore, sorry, buddy, you're on your own. Of course, that's not, it. The, the gospel absolutely can transform individuals and does transform individuals. Uh, but in the West, where we are in suburbia, particularly in urban settings, uh, if you're of the opinion that oh, I can be a Christian by listening to a Spotify playlist, a podcast sermon on the beach by myself. Uh, the point is, no, you're not actually doing it. You're not. You're not doing Christianity the way that God has actually designed you and the church to do it. And so, how that wraps up all these things is that we will be meeting together with God's people to actually do Christianity well like not just not as well to do it right to do it the way that it actually has designed to be is that we will be meeting regularly with other christians and then you are in proximity and then you are having these um what did you say before even that friendship of it, of convenience like mm. there is a convenience there because you're actually hanging out together yeah. you're always there and you're doing stuff together and if you come to church not with a consumer mindset but with a i'm going to be a productive member of this Community, and I'm going to contribute in meaningful ways and participate. Then you have the time, and then you've got the task that you're actually engaged together. So that will be the solution to the friendship issues as people uh, are saved by Jesus into community and actually actively live that out purposefully and meaningfully. Uh, and so that I think is the answer to tying this all together mm-hmm. um, because, and it answers the. Why is there a friendship issue? Because people aren't hanging out together. Um, because we're in too overly individualistic because we're finding friendship in digital, not physical spaces. Um, and the the church is the answer to those things, um, yeah. I think in very significant, meaningful ways because that's what God has designed us to be.
0: It's the, the body of Christ thing that you're talking about and we're all put together for a reason. Mm. Um, and I think... That's where, like, that regular meeting together, and I speak from personal experience that I just sort of like, if I don't go to church for a week, if I had something on or whatever, like, God, I'm, I feel less, what's the right word? I don't feel as ready to be a Christian, I suppose. Whereas if I'm meeting regularly with Christians at least once a week, if not more, because even more is better. You know, you could have Bible studies and things like that. So, hey, we're doing this together, but also we're not alone yeah. and you know there's the whole thing of like when two or more gather in my name it says in the Bible that I am with them mm. so when we're gathering together we have the Holy Spirit but then Jesus is with us as well like it's it's there's a lot happening there I think that we maybe don't realise so then we can take that what what's going on there and say well these are the problems that we're experiencing mm. in terms of whether it is in digital spaces whether it's children are using their devices, whether it's how we interact with our devices. Um, Because I think if we think about at church when I'm having dinner with my I I don't think I touch my phone. I very rarely will be touching my phone. Um, I mean, I've I've recently pursued a hobby in enjoying watches. One of the good things about watches is I don't check my phone for the time Mm. anymore. And it's like, if I need to check the time, I've got to watch to check the time. i don't have to pull my phone out and then look like I'm, look like I'm, was it fubbing? <laughs> fubbing, yeah. fubbing, someone. So, <laughs> sorry, I talked about a lot of things there, but I think there's very much something in what you're saying, Tim, of if we're meeting together regularly, then we can perhaps combat these difficulties in a way that is hopefully honouring God as much as possible and also redeeming those spaces in a way. Mm. You know, Ethan, final final words before we wrap up the podcast. Yeah,
1: I, I just think that uh, all of those things uh, come from a sense of commitment. I right. will be a contributor in this space mm. if I've committed to these people and I've committed to this friendship and I've committed to following God at this church. And it's catacultural kind of too. Yes, yep. massively, mm. massively. Uh, because in, in all of this, uh, yeah, commitment to these people and to Jesus and to um, yeah to, to the way he is working in this place is so important uh, and it will enable you to you said another another word was con- you contribute and something else but participate participate
0: yeah Maybe. yeah
1: so both of those uh, and not consume and not mm-hmm. consume mm-hmm. All, all those three things come from I have committed to this to this mm-hmm. it's not like you can I can rock up and contribute every month and I can rock up and I can participate uh, every six weeks. I don't know, like because I'm like, oh, I'll do the I'll do the thing when I'm on, um, or mm. I'll come to, I'll come to church and 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 read the Bible uh, out in front of everyone, and that's actually going to be the only time I'm there all month. Like that's actually not necessarily what we're saying.
2: Well, like, no, because your level of the the depth of your relationships will be reflective of the amount of time you spent there.
1: Completely. Yep. Yeah, and so. Uh, that all comes under this this thing of are you are you willing to commit to this and uh, we talked tim said something at the very start almost about uh how when we were talking about leadership we were talking about uh, committing to friendship uh in um in these like when you're when you're invited into leadership at all royal church you're committing to make these people your friends and your close friends uh and that now that we are not a youth group anymore, we are a whole church, uh, that principle still stays the same. It's when you're rocking up, are we able to commit to being friends with the people we are with? Uh, And that I think is really, that will then lead into if I'm committing, I'm gonna contribute, I'm gonna participate. I'm gonna, the last
0: one. Participate? Not consume. Not consume. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, I think think they're all like really, things that are worthwhile considering for a long time and they require a lot of thought and a lot of reflection and even prayer and i think even me doing this podcast today i've been even more committed uh i risk a a while ago i set up a thing for my phone where i if i triple click the power button it turns it black and white And um, so you're not as drawn into any apps that will waste your time or, you know, yeah. not helpful for social interactions. And during the podcast, I just wish it the black and white. So. <laughs> yeah. so I think, yeah, I think it's uh, good. And I think we all have to probably do it in our own way as well. But I think there are these some core tenets around things like that that can be informed by us being Christians that we can all work on together. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's really good. It's been a really good podcast. Mm. Thank you very much, gentlemen it's been excellent as always uh if you do have any other questions or you do want to call us out on something Mm -hmm. or something that you would like us to talk about you can email me at joel at shockers and we will definitely bring it to the podcast Mm lights lights that we Mm -hmm. that we do have set up um uh subscribe if you haven't whether it's on youtube or on your favorite podcast app we'd uh, love you to continue to do that um we really enjoy Having conversations with people who say, Oh, I listen to the podcast. That's mm. always really fun. Anyway, continue to think about the things we've been talking about. We'll keep talking about friendship. I think it's very much a theme that we're talking about at the moment. So, and as, whether it's leadership or whether it's outside of leadership circles. But for now, uh, that'll wrap up the shockers over for this week. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you. And One Way. One Way. Bye.